Empire. The betting markets are getting more and more intricate. What our operating system enables us to do in a matter of days or weeks, depending on the market, is to literally think of any market imaginable and generate derivative markets around every play. So in your example, we could generate derivative markets like, will this third and 10 play result in a sack? Yes or no. That's Joey Levy, co-founder of Simple Bet. As betting legalizes, the micro markets expand. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Sports betting is the present and future of the market in sports content, but it remains in land grab mode as states and jurisdictions continue to legalize around the country, and contractors who go through the paces will end up providing services for new users. Joey Levy knows that it's only truly the beginning and that the future for the sports better will be something closer to in-game day trading. Our guest this week is the co-founder of SimpleBet, Joey Levy, to talk about the micro-market betting market, which is changing sports betting and gambling. Hey, Joey, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Listen, I I get it. This is the future. Um, Implementing it in real time, since you're in the middle of it, I'm fascinated by it. So let's start with the idea of SimpleBet from the get-go. What was the goal of the company um, when you started it? Sure. So we actually uh, started SimpleBet initially with the vision that the sports betting user experience needed to be considerably more intuitive and entertaining for a broader audience of casual sports fans, Um, hence our name SimpleBet. So our initial goal was to create a, a simpler user experience around sports betting. And when PASPA was repealed about six weeks after we actually formed the company, we decided to focus on U.S. sports, uh, just given the market had opened up. And specifically, we were interested in creating betting opportunities around the moments that drive U.S. sports consumption within uh, the games. So if you think of baseball, pitches and at-bats, NFL, uh, betting on every play and drive, uh, even NBA, which is a more fluid game, enabling users to predict you know, what what LeBron James is going to do on his next field goal attempt and things like that. So we wanted to enable simple user experiences around these really um, discrete moments within U.S. sports. Um, And the initial plan was we were going to, um, you know, build these simple user experiences, license the odds generating services from, you know, third party providers that typically provide these services. So people like you know, Bet Radar, Bet Genius, uh, some of the other traditional vendors. When we went to the market looking for that backend technology, we realized that nobody had uh, developed it. And that's when we, you know, essentially pivoted into a B2B technology company that uh, was focused on enabling uh, or developing the enabling technology for this new type of betting for the first time. Um, so, so, and, and that's where we are today. We, we basically spent about the last uh, two and a half years uh, since making that decision, uh, building um, the, the micro markets engine uh, to enable these new betting markets uh, with the goal of, of eventually using the technology we've developed to uh, create the future operating system of in-play betting for, for all U.S. sports, uh, really just starting with, with micro markets. Uh- 
Um, let me, I, I'm going to get into the fun part of this in a moment, but I want to do nuts and bolts with you for a moment since you are expediency and speed are going to be extraordinarily important in making these transactions happen. Um, the advent of 5G, how, how did that affect how you guys ran your business and built your models? Sure. So um, first and foremost, our priority is to ensure that, you know, users can't do court siding or, or, you know, take advantage of, of lines if they're in the venue and, and seeing what's happening in the action before they see it on their app. So, um, you know, first and foremost, we wanted to ensure that the technology uh, was fast enough and that there were safeguards to enable us to suspend markets before people in venue would be able to take advantage of, of the market. So, um, you know, our technology that both automates the market mechanics and uses machine learning to publish the, the prices delivers the prices to the end user in about one to one and a half seconds of latency uh, from the real life um, event occurring. So we've already sort of accounted for that issue and that's largely uh, in part to uh, the technology developed by Sport Radar where you know the, the scouts who are in the stadium plugging in the incident feeds, um, they, from the moment that they plug in that incident to uh, it being delivered to that system, to, it being delivered to our system, that's about one second of latency, and then our performance budget is about another half a second. The advent of 5G technology and other low-latency streaming technologies is really more beneficial to the user experience because ultimately for micro-markets to be you know, as commercially viable as we would like for them to be, particularly for the super granular markets like play-level markets and pitch-level markets, we need the way consumers consume sports media via broadcast or OTT or however they're consuming it nowadays to be as close to real time as possible. And we're really encouraged with, with what we're seeing uh, from the telecoms who are pioneering 5G technology, but then also other uh, companies that are wholly dedicated to low latency streaming. So, you know, companies like Phoenix, for example, have done a really good job of, of building technology that will help broadcasters reduce latency and ultimately enable users to, you know, predict things like what's going to happen in the next pitch of a baseball game yeah. with a seamless second screen experience. Um, how long, I, I, this is probably consistently evolving, but you have to turn around these lines in these markets short of something like golf where you have time to, to set a line in between shots, but you're talking about pitch by pitch third and 10, are they going to convert what the possible outcomes could be? Is this person going to make a free throw, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how can you take me through the evolution of getting what you believe are proper lines out there in an extraordinary quick amount of time? Yeah. So and are, are you asking you know, how our technology works or. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. You know, like I, yeah, cause I, I mean, what, what were you saying? Yeah. Cause I mean, just, just to take a step back, just to, you know, touch upon the broader landscape um, in, in sports betting today. So, you know, you sort of start with these pre-match money line point spread over yeah. markets. And these are markets that you bet on before the game begins. The lines are often published several days before, you know, if we're going to use NFL, for example, you know, the games typically happen on Sunday. These lines will be published on, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, sometimes a lot, you know, even sooner than that. And, um, you know, users are able to, to predict the outcomes of these games before the game start. And then about, you know, a decade ago, in-play betting uh, started gaining popularity as, you know, consumers were using their smartphones and, uh, you know, generally uh, consumer trends have been uh, erring on the side of instant gratification. 
So basically, you take this pre-match money line, which enables you to predict who, who's going to win or lose the game uh, before the game. And now you could take that line at any moment throughout the game based on the relative probabilities of, of the outcomes changing. But the key thing to note there is those betting markets are still not resulting until the end of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you have the Dolphins against the Jets. The Dolphins are, are favored initially. They're given a, a minus 250 money line. Let's say the Jets go off and, and now they're leading 14 to nothing uh, in, in the second quarter. And now that minus 250 for the Dolphins becomes like a plus 150 because yeah. now they're the underdog. That plus 150 will still result at the end of the game. Um, so it's enable for the first time are betting markets that a user can bet on and that will be resulted um, within just minutes or seconds. So now you're betting on, you know, will the Dolphins uh, score a touchdown on their next drive? Yes or no. And um, that bet will be resulted in, you know, five or 10 minutes or even sooner if it's a three and out. But it's just a new level of instant gratification of sports betting. Yeah. Uh, the existing paradigm of in-play betting, I'll note, is, is already about 70% of the total market in mature regulated markets in Europe. Um, that's not even including micro markets because soccer is not really a good sport for micro markets. So um, you, we're really excited about the opportunity for micro markets, particularly with respect to U.S. sports and just more generally introducing instant gratification to sports betting for the first time. Yeah, I, I, that's that's the part I wanted to get to because like I, I get it with the the spread and the money line and whatever it was beforehand. We saw this in real time in the playoffs with the Chiefs a year ago, where they were massive favorites in a game against Houston, were down by a massive amount in the second quarter. The line shift in the middle of the game you could have gotten if you thought a comeback was coming a really good price on them and again you have to wait for the outcome to get to that what you and i are talking about now though are these real-time like very quick evolving moments in a game third and ten pops up for the dolphins are they going to convert and then there are all of these other i would assume down the road options will there be a sack will there be a turnover will they convert will they fall short would they go for it on fourth down are we there where all of those types of options are out there for the user? Yes, yes. We're, we're there and, and we're getting there, you know, further in earnest. So what I mean by that is, you know, we've spent the last two and a half years building, as I described before, the operating system for in-play betting, starting with micro markets. So what this operating system first is focused on is just enabling these moments in sporting events to become betting opportunities for the first time. So to use your example, we've created models and automated market mechanics that automatically handle the creation, suspension, repricing, resulting of markets. And this example for, you know, what's going to happen in the next play. So we'll start by creating a market like, will, you know, this third and 10 play be a pass or a run, or will this third and 10 play result in a first down? Yes or no. So those are the two initial markets that we've created. What our operating system enables us to do in a matter of days or weeks, depending on the market, is to literally think of any market imaginable and generate derivative markets around every play. So in your example, we could generate derivative markets like, will this third and 10 play result in a sack? Yes or no. Will it result in a turnover? Yes or no. Will it be a pass to Julian Edelman that goes for 15 <laughs> yards and offer casual fans 1,000 to 1 odds on that really low probability specific occurrence? Yeah. Right? So any the, the, the goal here is, is ultimately to enable any bet imaginable in real time. Yeah. It takes a lot of really defensible technology to do it. The two core features of the technology are the automated market mechanics that handle the creation, suspension, repricing, resulting in real time without any human intervention 
and then the machine learning based pricing, which takes a probability based approach to pricing uh, for the first time. So when you marry those two features, you now have this operating system that will enable any bet, any bet imaginable in real time. That's what we've spent the last two and a half years building. And now it gets to the fun part where we could think of, you know, all of these new betting markets that we could create and just, you know, develop those derivative markets, um, you know, on top of the, the technology that, that we've built. And, and this is full on machine learning. They're going to offer up the odds or, or, in the case of like Julian Edelman making, you know, a very specific thing happen in a very specific moment. Um, they are evolving to set odds for all of these potential outcomes. That's what's happening in real time now? Yes, yes. So all of the selections associated with the betting market have probabilities associated with them and those probabilities are changing uh, in real time as anything happens in the game. So to use MLB, for example, we have a plate appearance exact market, which enables users to predict, you know, whether the next plate appearance will be a single, double, triple, home run, strikeout, uh. walk, or other. And with every pitch, the probabilities are changing, and users can actually live bet the actual at bat. So let's say, for example, you know, we offer users 16 to 1 odds on a walk before the at bat starts. And now it's a 2-0 count. Oftentimes, you'll see that price go from, you know, 16 to 1 to 4 to 1. On a 3-0 count, it'll often go to less than 2-1, to one, for example. Um, you know, really just taking into account anything that's happening during the action that may influence the relative outcome of the market. So um, the first screen may always be what we traditionally see. The second screen, I can see this. Um, are you talking to content providers, broadcasters, if they're allowed to even do this at this point, because we, we talked, which I'll get back to in a moment, because it's it's not legal everywhere, which I think complicates this all a little bit. But are the broadcast providers talking to you about how do we implement this into the content that we provide to the viewer yet? Is that gotten there? Yes. Yeah. So we're in touch with, you know, most of the most of the major national media companies, also some of the regional sports networks uh, who are looking at this very closely because they understand that if users are able to consume sports content and predict or bet on the outcome of every moment um, within the event that they're consuming, that there's, you know, a, a fundamentally higher level of fan engagement that, you know, the broadcaster uh is experiencing so so yes we're in touch with with most of them at this point uh, they've all expressed interest in in what we're building and trying to figure out the best ways to either directly or indirectly incorporate some of this betting uh content into their into their broadcasts um you know one, one easy place to start for a lot of these uh, companies is free to play so and we actually released a product along these lines with FanDuel as our first product release. So uh, rather than wager real money, you could start users by enabling them to predict what's going to happen the next play or the next drive of a football game in a free-to-play environment where they're sort of using virtual tokens and they're trying to climb up a leaderboard, but they're still winning cash prizes. And, you know, with this product that we launched with FanDuel, for example, we're seeing off the charts user engagement. So, you know, for example, a couple Sundays ago, the average user was, was making 60 predictions, uh, you know, per user across the Sunday slates. On that Monday night game, the average user made 45 predictions throughout the course of the game. Um, 25% or more of the users are, are spending at least an hour on the app with 10% of users spending two hours on the app. So, 
you know, you're, you we're seeing off the charts fan engagement and, uh, you know, we only expect those numbers to improve as we roll out more derivative markets. We've only started with, you know, four derivative markets around drives and two derivative markets around plays. Ultimately, there will be dozens for each. Yeah. And then there's also going to be a variety of, you know, conditional markets based on players and what they do next. So, for example, you know, what will Tom Brady do on his next pass? Will it be a completion? Yes or no. Will it go for 10 yards? Yes yes or no uh you know will it be to gronkowski yes or no yeah. pretty much any any of these imaginable yeah um so let's go back to the the legality of it um yes the u.s market is open but it, it's going slowly and there were a couple of elections here obviously that opened up a couple of new states uh, maryland a couple of others come to mind that have happened recently um how are you all navigating essentially the opening of the u.s market but obviously it's not legal everywhere yeah, I mean, so it, it is exceeding expectations. I mean, I think we're at least, you know, tw- we're, we're at 22 or 23 states, including D.C., that are up and live with, with legalized sports betting with, you know, about another 20 that have recently contemplated legislation. So, you know, we think sports betting will, will ultimately be ubiquitous uh, throughout the country. Uh, what's really important to us is mobile sports betting because, you know, if, if a user has to go to a casino, um, you know, and, and really engage in more of a retail experience where they're sort of getting a, a, you know, a ticket from a teller. That's not really, you know, good for in-play betting. Um, but you're seeing mobile betting really, you know, gaining wider spread adoption. Um, and regulators are understanding that nowadays consumers are, you know, mostly on their phones. You know, they don't, they, they'd prefer not to have to, you know, go to a casino to place a sports bet if they don't have to. Um, and in-play betting, I think, is just continuing to drive this. And, you know, just to use New Jersey as an example, so over just over October, so just that one month, there was over eight hundred million dollars in total handle. So that's total yeah. dollars bet on sports in New Jersey, just in October. Ninety three percent of which was done either on a mobile phone or on a computer. So you know the numbers speak for themselves, and you know this was ultimately legalized to you know, one enable citizens to do, you know, what they want to do with their lives and betting on sports is a great way to enhance a consumer's consumption of sport, but two, also to generate tax revenue for these states. And, you know, the numbers really speak for themselves in terms of the prospective tax revenue if you legalize mobile betting versus just retail. Um, Since you are working with with FanDuel, I am curious. um, There are a lot of people that wonder about the proliferation of sports gambling, how it's going to affect the fantasy um, platforms. What's your view on that, the, the, the future of fantasy gaming um, in the midst of the proliferation of sports gambling? Sure. Um, I mean, I think this is only going to benefit it. I mean, I don't think you're, you know, you're really cannibalizing anything here. I mean, I think with fantasy, you know, season-long fantasy, um, the way people, you know, consumed all sports and, you know, NFL more specifically with, you know, fantasy football. And, you know, now you, you users who previously never – you know, would care to watch the Cincinnati Bengals or watching the Bengals because they have the third string receiver on their, you know, 12 team fantasy league, for example. So now a consumer is consuming content that they previously would not be interested in as a result of fantasy sports. And now with companies like Simple Bet are enabling our users to are enabling users to bet on more things as the game is happening. So I think they're, they're quite complementary. Um, I don't, you know, the products that we're developing and that these sports betting operators are developing even before micro markets have existed are all things that are not things that consumers of fantasy sports would be consuming or, or betting on. So, 
Um, it's all complimentary. I think the more fan engagement and consumption of sport you have out there, the better all of these products will do uh, from sort of a, a revenue standpoint. And, you know, the more things consumers can can engage with. Um, I, I think I heard you right when you said this is B2B, that you are building this out for the others to utilize, whether it's a content provider or obviously um, a, a gambling operation. Are you all going to become a bookmaking service at any point? Is that in the plans for Simple Bet? No, we have no plans to do that. We're a B2B technology company that leverages data to build and, and enable the future operating system of in-play betting. Um, and one of the great things about being you know, a B2B company is that we get to focus 100% of our efforts on product innovation and product development. And that's really needed in an industry like this where the direct-to-consumer operators are you know, spending you know, majority of their resources on customer acquisition yes. and brand awareness and, and, uh, you know, and that's great and it's necessary. They need to, you know, they're doing a great job of introducing America to legalize sports betting and they're doing what they need to do to get their brands out there. But consumers want to bet on, you know, these moments with it games and there needs to be companies out there that, you know, make the requisite investment in technology to enable uh, consumers to bet on these things. So um, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. And as a huge P1 sports fan, thank you for doing this. I've been waiting for this <laughs> my whole life. So <laughs> thank you. Uh, Joey Levy is the co-founder of Simple Bet. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me on. On the next Future Sport podcast, wearable technology has also not come anywhere close to its potential. Yeah, I, I think there will be some shifts here that I think will be permanent, right? I think the shift of being able to do a lot more at home, um, I think is actually, you know, I think is, a, is, a, is something that will be permanent in the world of sports. And whether that's, you know, getting athletes to, you know, study plays, getting athletes to, you know, pay it, you know, sort of understand more of their health uh, journey uh, at home. That's Will Lopes, CEO of Catapult. His background at Audible with Amazon is helping lead the company into a more productive and efficient future. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.